Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of The New Standard. And as always, I have my partner in crime on my left, who's going incognito this morning, Neil Kulong. What's up, Neil? You know, Lance, I was going to say this, the lack of video, not that I need to apologize for that. In fact, we might attract more listeners. My face is not on camera, but I literally look like Rocky Balboa at the end of Rocky 1. <laughs> if I put the picture up, you'd know what I mean. My the, the my right eye is infected, and a large portion of the right side of my face is swollen up like I got the shit kicked out of me. It's pretty bad. I just had to go to Target and wear I wore my sunglasses the entire time inside. Get people giving me that look like, oh, you bet you think you're a badass. It's like, no, kids are gonna run away from me if I take them off. That's why. I need to get this thing and get out of here because I got a podcast. Well, it is very interesting that if you're watching on YouTube, you get to see the symbol talk, which is pretty interesting as well. I love to see you for that. I think the listeners appreciate it as well. As always, if you want to join the show, make sure you hop on YouTube, do a search for the new standard and Lance Williams and or Neil Kulong. You catch us live. If you want to catch the podcast, make sure you go to your podcast feeder and do a search for the new standard and Steelers, and you will catch the program that way. That way, you know, if you're doing a via the podcast, you can ride with us and you're not saddled to watching the show live. Also want to give a big shout out to our sponsor show sponsor, great dads versus everybody. And the big news, obviously in the world of the Pittsburgh Steelers and the title of the show is to it retires. So the big news, obviously, in Steeler land, along with OTAs, was the fact that Stephon Tewitt retired. And my general thoughts on it is that I, I think the longer it took for the Steelers to hear what he was going to do, I think it pointed more and more towards uh, him retiring. I think you will agree with this, Neil, that football is an all-in sport. And it's very interesting not to to, to digress a bit, but it's very interesting to hear Tom Brady say that he's like 55, 45 about playing this year. Um, but, you know, he's of the skill that he can probably get away and do with that and do that and still play very well. Most guys, you know, you can't do it. It's an all in. It's a hundred percent or nothing type of endeavor. You have to prepare your mind. You have to prepare your body and your family has to get prepared for that as well, because it's an all in thing when these guys commit themselves to playing football. And so the longer that it took for him to not play, uh, it just made sense to me um, that he was not coming back. Plus, I also heard some rumors that he had lost a bunch of weight, too, and that he was no longer kind of in football shape to actually play football, that he kind of had made the transition. I think the thing that stands out to me is that, um, you know, I don't know. And you can you can comment on this, Neil. I don't know if the Steelers were surprised by this or not, but I want to wish Stephon to it the best of luck in whatever he's going to do and move on to. I think he was a quality player. I think he was a very good draft pick for the Steelers. I think he's going to be solely missed um, in terms of a lot of things, in terms of the football aspect of it. But I, I wish Stephon to it the best um, in his next endeavors. And um, I'm not entirely surprised by Stefan Tuitt um, retiring. I heard there were a lot of bad things the Steeler fans said about him online on Twitter and so on and so forth. And I would encourage people just to have patience with these guys. Football's a tough game. He's given his all. He wants to do his, he wants to move into some other directions with his life. 
And uh, I just want to thank him for his efforts and his contributions uh, to the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's a personal sacrifice, like Double H said, and, and good for him. Move on with your life. Do something that you enjoy, because once the love is gone from football, you don't need to do it because you're going to sacrifice life and limb potentially. So kudos to Stefan Tua for being a great Steeler while he was here, hoping he moves on and does something great with his life in the next chapter. What's your thoughts, Neil? Two things I want to point out. One, I, I had a conversation with uh, former Steelers cornerback Ike Taylor at training camp the year after he uh, retired. Um, it was friendly. It was cordial. He was there, I think, as, as one of the, the uh, <clears throat> coaching interns or whatever this, that the team brings in. Um, and we were just, you know, sitting around shooting the shit. Um, it, I said just the, the stupid thing to say, like, you, you know, jokingly, because it's training camp and it was like 90 degrees. Like, do you, do you wish you were out there, you know, banging it up in the mud? Like, what do you think? It, he said something. He just kind of shook his head no like real emphatically, no, don't miss it at all. Because would you would have, and I said, would you have played another year? And he said, if somebody paid me a lot of money, I would have, but I'm totally fine not playing anymore. And that, that sticks with me because people don't understand it at the professional level. We can talk about this being fun and it being a game. This isn't fun. It, it really isn't. I mean, it, you, you can see where the emotion comes from. You can see where the excitement comes from, but when you've been around, and you take away, let, let's just assume, and I'll, I'll say this, I'm going to get to another story about Stefan Tuitt here in, in, in a minute. If you were paid tens of millions of dollars, you're 29 years old, you have a, a tragic loss in your life, you feel the call is to do something else, there is absolutely nothing that brings you back to football short of, and they'll all tell you this as well, short of the teammates. This is not at all to suggest that Stefan Tuitt is not a good teammate. You, you have no idea what these guys play through to get on the field. And money is obviously a, a motivating factor for them. But the veterans who have been paid, most of it is they want to win a championship and they want to be there for their, their teammates. The bond between them is really, really strong. When they've been around for a while, he and Cam Hayward are probably very, very close. Um. They had their lockers together, I remember, uh, to its rookie year. And uh, they, they were out in the um, at training camp outside the, the cafeterias where the, the media uh, were allowed to be to ask questions and stuff. And to it came out to, to talk. He's a second-year guy, excuse me. He was not a rookie, second-year guy. And he said something. I forget what it was. You know, it's about the offseason. I put the work in and everything like that. <clears throat> there was a report that he and other Steelers defensive linemen got together for some type of um, like coaching clinic from a, a prominent defensive line coach who was not employed by anybody. He was independent. He did this stuff. Usually those things are kind of hush-hush. I don't know what compelled me to ask him about it, but I did. And he got really nervous for a second. He kind of stuttered on himself and – he asked me to repeat the question. I said, did you go? I, I don't even remember the coach's name, but did you go to the coach's camp or did you guys get together? Was it you and a couple Steelers guys? And he looked at me just dead in the eye like I'm busted. I may as well come clean and just said, yes, sir. And I just kind of laughed. I'm like, Jesus, Stefan Tuitt is, is one of the larger human beings alive. And the, the fact that he was calling me sir at that point 
um, I knew that the two, it probably wasn't going to be speaking to the media a whole lot anymore. The Steelers tend to control um, those sorts of media appearances. And the, the thing that I know about to it, because that was my first year on the beat. Uh, it was his second year in the league. He became more and more uh, a, a spokesperson uh, for the team, for the defense. You know, he's playing alongside Cam Hayward, who's the consummate, you know, face of the franchise kind of guy and certainly is now. But to it came into that role as well. He's remarkably intelligent. He's very well spoken. Um, this is not a guy who spent, say, a net of $30 million over eight years foolishly. Okay. have any specific motivation to play anymore after taking a year off and keep in mind the the way the game is played now the athleticism that you need to compete means most of the big guys are smaller guys who have to bulk up and the 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 guys who are naturally big slim down to be athletic enough to play if you take a year off and your heart is not into it, kind of like what, what Lance suggested, you're going to, to revert to what your size is supposed to be. And if, let's just say, I have no idea. I, I hate commenting on, on weight. That's just wrong. I think it's unethical. I have no idea what, Steve, what Stephon Tewitt weighs today. Let's just say, though, for argument's sake, he's used to playing at 290, 295, somewhere in there, and he's at 270 right now. There's no way he's going to be ready to compete come August. There's just no way. You can't healthily gain that much weight in that short amount of time. Um, if he's not into it physically, it's just not going to happen. And frankly, I, I think he made the decision a while ago. And I, I've read that um, they were aware that he wanted to retire. That was his intention. Teammates tried to talk him back into to playing or whatever. It didn't happen. But... <laughs> career for anything you know he did a great job uh, lasted well above average for a normal NFL player he had himself a great career and he, he's a hell of a guy on top of that I, I wish him the best as well yeah there's a couple of comments that I wanted to just illustrate before we jump into the cap ramifications the scheme impact the overall defensive impact replacements for him and have the Steelers organization done enough to uh, replace him and pick up to Wes Hickok uh, for jumping into the show. Wes wrote, but uh, that's the wrong comment. Let me pull up the first comment from Wes. The only issue I had is that he conveniently waited until he got the guaranteed money, the guaranteed money before announcing his retirement. Here's what I'll say about that is it's not my money. First of all, I'm I'm not giving it to the player. So I don't I don't freak out about that. It's it's not my money. Secondly, uh the Steelers have the ability to pay him the guarantees or not. They knew what the situation was and they decided to pay him. If they're going to pay him, he's going to take the money. He may not have known at the time what he was going to do. So in fairness to him, um I'm just going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he was still processing it and going through the whole decision-making process of 
whether he was going to come back or not. I mean, I mean, I don't know all of the details to it, obviously, but uh, you know, I'm going to choose to paint him as an honest guy that he wasn't trying to fleece the organization. But the organization, I'm sure, went into it. They knew what the situation was. They knew that there was an issue around whether he was going to return or not, and they chose to do what they chose to do. So I don't have a problem with the money aspect of it. This happens. Guys leave early. Um, you know, this is professional football. Guys get overpaid. Guys get underpaid. Teams make financial decisions. Um, it is what it is. Um, so I don't have any problem with that. Uh, but let's jump into the cap ramifications. Um, looking at the cap, it looks like the dead money charge. And I want you to explain that to listeners who have listened to the show about what dead money does and how it impacts your cap, Neil, after I give the dead money number. Uh, the dead money charge for Stefan Tewitt <coughs> is uh, $4.925 million, And the Steelers freed up, I believe, about $9 million plus in cap space. So I'm assuming... Um, they did this as a post-June 1st transaction. And now in terms of team cap space, according to over the cap, the cap space is at $20.6 million. So briefly um, explain the, the cap impact in terms of dead money. And um, what do you think the Steelers will do? How do you think this uh, additional cap space, uh, what the Steelers will do in terms of a replacement for him do you think they'll go and try to get a free agent with the money that uh, was freed up with him retiring? So briefly jump into that, Neil. I think it, first off, yes, it absolutely was a post-June 1 transaction. He announced it on June 1. I'm sure they filed it on June 2nd, meaning they are able to split um, his cap charge for retirement over this season and next season. So he will carry um, a dead charge, I believe uh, you can look at it you've got over the cap pulled up at four and change this year i think probably five and change next year um i'm not 100 percent certain of that but you'll you'll see his it's, name it's, it's 4.7 next year and 4.9 okay. this year now that's interesting because to was in the last year of his contract so now he's counting it, it's not a common situation but it's sort of a frustrating one he was not a, power, a part of their accounting next year. Now, he would have charged all of that, the sum of those two numbers together for this year and this year's cap had he played and he'd be on the team. Um, the fact that you have to account for uh, dead money for a player who is not on the team, who was not going to be on the team next season, short of a contract extension, he wouldn't be dead then. Um, it, it's a way the Steelers have been doing business the last couple of years, and I think a lot of teams – in the league are starting to do that as well. They're taking uh, the cap space and applying it. They're taking future cap space and applying it to current rosters. What that means is my opinion, and this is probably something I'm sure the NFLPA's lawyers grumble about a little bit as well. Um, teams are not interested in paying players. This is their way to account for ones they don't want anymore. <laughs> And that that sort of defeats the purpose of the cap. But at the same time, when you have a, a, an escalating cap, but no floor uh, of any type, let alone something that says, you know, 90% of the cap must be spent, something like that, um, they're going to do this. Now they're, they're finding ways to, I don't want to say circumvent the cap. They're not doing anything illegal. But all of this, to me, renders the cap 
not entirely moot, but there's not a whole lot of purpose for it right now. If we're getting to the point now where guys who aren't even going to be under contract are, are counting for dead money, it, what you're really saying is we don't need the player and we don't need the cap space either. So it, it's, it'll be interesting to see how that number continues to increase, uh, especially in a league where only a few positions are making the money on this. You know, the, the safety is a position, and I'm getting to, to my real point here, safety is a position that has had to fight and claw to get uh, higher than where it was. Its market increased very slowly. Um, now we're, we're going to see more activity in the safety market, and I think to some degree uh, that's where the Steelers are going to spend some of this. But at the same time, barring a deal that, that's considerably north of what Jamal Adams got uh, from, from Seattle, Minka Fitzpatrick's cap number is more or less set, plus or minus a few million. If they are 20.6 to 20.9 million, the NFLPA said 20.9 million uh, space for the Steelers, Minka on a, 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 a low bonus, heavy guarantee year one salary, his cap number might go up to at most like $3 million. So I, I don't know. The Steelers have will have the money to spend. I'll say that they can do what they want with it. I would expect extensions because we have 20 years of experience uh, of the Steelers not signing high dollar players uh, at this time of the calendar. They're doing a lot of things we're not used to them doing. So you're 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 20 million under, and you're still paying for Ben Roethlisberger, another player who's not on your roster, uh, was not going to be on your roster counting dead money against you. So it, it's, uh, I don't know. Damakin Sue is the player that I kind of like in, in the sense that he's a veteran, he's experienced, he can play in whatever defensive you know, front you want. He, it, it's, it's, I don't want to say vanity, but he's going to cost you $10 million at least, and you're not going to get $10 million worth of overall value. But play to play, you can get quite a bit out of him. Um, on that team in that that type of rotation i'd like to see if they want to take a swing at that but for the the most part i think really um they might spend total half of it and the bulk of it's going to be on extensions they'll have a comfortable amount to roll over again next year um when depending on what they do with minka um they'll probably have a, a good amount of cap space again next season yeah and dominican sue was the name that's being ballot about um, in the chat and that, that gets me to the, the scheme impact in, in terms of to it retiring what's the scheme impact do you think they can run the same scheme um, and if they do bring in a person you know what type of defensive tackle would fit uh, what they're going to lose in Stefan to it so take a look give me a, a little breakdown of the scheme impact and overall of the defensive impact with the loss of Stefan to Cause we saw last year uh, that the big thing was the loss of their ability to defend the run. They were able to still <laughs> get after the quarterback, but they could not defend the run. Um, so give me a, your thoughts on the scheme impact. And if they brought in a person um, to try to replace Stefan to a veteran, what would that veteran look like from a scheme perspective, three technique, five technique. Uh, what does that player look like? I would, I would imagine what they would want is a combination of all of that. Um, to it, 
played a more inside version of what they've been doing with Hayward over the last several seasons. He isn't a, a five technique any more than he's a seven technique. Hayward really is a, a four I, which is kind of a little bit offset right. from a, 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 a three technique defensive tackle, which would be like a, a Damican Sue type of guy. Um, to it was more of a pure five technique defensive end when Hayward was in there. Um, as we all know, they, they played an entire year last year without Stefan to it. So they, they clearly have eyes on, on Chris Wormley, a player who's very likely uh, to be back and they, they should be excited about him coming back. I, I think he's, he played really well last season at times, but, um, but that run defense, you know, they, 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 to say they struggled with that is putting it mildly. That might be the worst defensive run team they've seen since like the sixties. They were horrendous against the run especially over the second half of the year. My opinion is a, a large chunk of that is not so much the absence of Stefan to it. It's the fact that Cam Hayward did everything and he wore down nothing. You'll, you'll rarely hear me say a whole lot of negative things about Cam Hayward. Um, he was playing at a legit defensive player of the year level for half the season. And I think what he had to do wore him down because he had nothing around him. There was no help coming from anywhere, certainly not the linebackers who, in my opinion, were at least as much responsible for for the damage in the run game that we saw uh, as anybody else. I would think um, they they addressed that. They did not really address uh, the run-stopping defensive line. You know, I, 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 uh, Montrevious Adams, they, they retained. Uh, we'll see where Alulu is. I'd imagine they expect him back. I haven't heard anything to, to suggest that uh, he might not be ready to go, but we got to see. We'll, we'll see what happens there. Let me, um, let me give you, as you, before you break that down, let me give you a rundown. And listeners, I put a, a link in the chat that does, that talks about the techniques because I always said on this show, if we use football jargon, I want to make sure that we give you the information as to what it is. And so take a hit, hit the link if you're in the chat and it'll explain what the different techniques are and what they do in terms of the defensive line. Let me give you a rundown, and, I, and I'm glad that you kind of pivoted in terms of his replacement on the roster and who will take the bulk of his snaps. Let me give you a rundown. And as I go through the list, mentally make a note to yourself, who do you think will be the guy that will start in his place? Um, and I'm, I'm sure it's going to be a camp battle. But the interesting thing about to it as we talk about replacing him is – he didn't play last year, so they're already used to not playing with him. I don't. We can't <coughs> say that they affect did it effectively in yeah, terms of exactly. uh, in terms of playing against did. the run, but they did play with him without him last year. So transitioning isn't as difficult as it would be had he played last year and made a, a significant impact. So let me give you the names: Alulu. The rookie, DeMarvin Lill, Loudermilk, Mondo, Archibong, Adams, the Davis brothers, Cam Hayward, Donovan Teeter, and Chris Warmly. Who takes the bulk of the snaps? Who's going to be that guy when they come out, break the huddle, first snap of the game? I know some of this will depend on what type of offense they're playing, if they're going to be playing subs or whatever. But who gets the bulk of the snaps in the quote-unquote proverbial uh, Stefan to it, bro. I think it'll be warmly again. 
Um, I, I, we saw good things from him. Um, he's obviously not a perfect player, but you have to be really excited uh, with what we saw out of him uh, against the pass. And this is a passing league. They're going to have to figure out uh, how to do a better job against the run. And again, my issue, it, it warmly may not be the best run defensive uh, bookend tackle slash and whatever you want to call his position in the NFL, but their line, their inside linebackers were horrendous last season. That has an impact. There's only, you can't ask the defensive lineman in that alignment uh, to take care of, of two gaps while moving linebackers have to fill. And they didn't do that. They were bad. Uh, they didn't read. Well, there's a reason why they brought in a new coach. There's a reason why they brought in a new linebacker. There's a reason why they, they declined Devin Bush's option these things were all suggestive that they all, the Steelers also see that they had a, a linebacker problem. Um, Wormley would be that guy. I would think uh, you've heard me talk about Isaiah Loudermilk a bunch. I'm a big fan of his. I think Alualu works well in the, the, the one technique role that he's been playing in. He's a good run defender. He can, he can push things outside. Um, they'll, they'll have, I think internal improvement in that regard. I'm really excited about Loudermilk. Um, with another camp under his belt with some more experience that you know he gained from last year into this year they they could be building a little bit of depth um it also don't don't ignore addition by subtraction isaiah bugs showed us some things here and there but my god was he bad there's a reason they cut him they had no depth in the defensive line and they cut him okay that's how bad that situation got he was in the way of montravius adams who uh with a full workload now um, knowing what he's doing. He didn't even get a camp with the team last season. Keep that in mind. Um, he was put in on the fly, and I thought he did very well. He, he availed himself uh, in, in, in excellent fashion for the situation that he was in. Another camp with him, the return of Alulu, I, I think we see much better depth out of their defensive line. So if, if it's one guy, if it's four guys coming in to replace him, I think they have dudes that can play the game uh, better than than what their situation was last season. That gives them an opportunity to spell Hayward a little bit. Do you remember the play against the the Chargers? And this was I yes. Chargers yes. was after the Vikings game or was it before it? Um, I'm not certain, but I know Whatever they gave up a, they gave up a gang of points in both games. I Almost, know that gave a bunch of rushing yards in both games. You know, in obviously a lot of points as well. And they lost both those games. But Hayward almost tackled the back in the backfield and then hustled 60 yards down the damn field and made right. the tackle I remember that right in front of the end zone. And then he's piling on and probably completely out of breath and can't get off the running back. So the Chargers guys get pissed at him and, you know, throw a punch while he's down there. He swings back. His teammates aren't anywhere to be found. They're still not there. It's like, oh, my God, you, the dude's dead. He doesn't have any anything left. He gave you all he has, okay? If, if there's nobody there helping out with that, that's what's going to happen. That's going to be the result, and it's unfortunate because in my opinion, and I, I've said this, I will retire from media, and I will the, the second Cam Hayward retires, I will retire from media and spend the next five years campaigning for his Hall of Fame eligibility. Did you get that? I, I Did think he's that, is that good of a player, and he really is. So it, it, to not provide him more help, is in my opinion a, a detriment to his career, considering what he had to do last season. I think that they have done that now. I think that they they obviously see the value of, of putting some depth in there, but it was they, they got caught. It was a bad year. They obviously need, felt that they needed inside linebacker depth during the preseason last year when they traded for Joe Schobert. 
wasted a bunch on that. That didn't do anything for him. Devin Bush, who knows what Devin Bush is going to show up this season. The one that we hoped when he was drafted, the one that we kind of maybe saw if we're really scraping the, the rose-colored glasses uh, during his rookie season or the bum that we watched last year. We don't Steelers, know, but there's help Steelers, that's needed. Steelers Freak made an interesting point, and before we get to his point, and it, he wrote both trenches were not addressed enough this past offseason, and it will cost him this year. I disagree on the offensive both, line. Both trenches? Yes. I think the offensive they, line was not addressed? They absolutely addressed the offensive line. Oh, my God. So I, 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 I'll, I'll <laughs> dis, I'll, yeah, I'll disagree with Steelers Freak there, but I want to keep that up as we get to the defensive part of it, because that's one of my questions is have the Steelers done enough to replace to it? Because when you look at this list, I mean, there are guys with potential here, but, but this is a young group. I mean, Lil's a rookie, Loudermilk second year, Mondu third year, Archibong first year, uh, the Davis boys that didn't play much last year, third year, uh, Jeter's a rookie. I don't even know if he's going to make the team. Um, You know, your veterans are, Cam Hayward, year 12, obviously. Adams, year six. Warmly, year six. So we're going to get to that question, but I just want to go through the alignments here and, and give me who you think will play. So if they're playing base, which they don't play a majority of the time, we're saying that the starting defensive lineman will be Warmly, Alulu, and Cam Hayward, correct? Yeah, I'd imagine. And it's probably, it, it probably would be Cam and uh, warmly if they went two down if with they that, if two, they went two four five two four five they go nickel so warmly is going to get the bulk of the snaps who do you think will be the primary backup for warmly do you think it will be louder milk you think the Steelers will be impressed enough with how he played and how do you think the rookie will factor in this do you think the rookie will be someone who plays 150 200 snaps this year of defensive football this is just me, and I've I've gotten the last two years of these predictions completely wrong, so I, I don't know if I'm confident enough to make another one. I don't think the Marvin Leal is, is ready uh, to, to contribute significantly uh, this year. I said the exact same thing about Isaiah Loudermilk, and I think he was sneakily the, maybe the second or third best rookie on the team last year uh, on a snap-to-snap basis. He didn't play a whole lot, but that was still probably more than I thought that he would. Um I'm not sure if if Leal is is there. Um, that's just me. I also don't know what they're doing with him um, in terms of his offseason preparation. Um, the Steelers are, in, in my opinion, I, I don't know the rest of the league to, to say this, but I, I feel the Steelers do an excellent job of uh, finding body type archetypes uh, for, for them to become. And many players have done a great job of finding uh, how to do that from draft until training camp. Uh, Chase Claypool is a guy that I'll mention. I didn't like Chase Claypool when they drafted him because he's, he's just huge. He's way too big and he was slow. He looked like a, I called him the battleship. He was, he cornered across Rhode Island. You know, he, he wasn't fast enough out of his breaks to think he's going to be competitive on anything, but a go route. And if he's on the field and he can't run any other route, what, what good is he? 50 50 balls aren't your friend. You know, that, that's not a great thing to have. Um, he shed a bunch of weight and he looked explosive. He looked quick. And, and I don't know what happened in year two. It's another conversation for a later podcast. But um, I've, I've often mentioned Le'Veon Bell. Uh, what he did completely transformed who he was as a player. Um, they, 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 there are myriad examples of this uh, throughout the Steelers' uh, last 10, 12 years or so. 
Um, I'm, I'm curious what they'll do with him because the way he's built, he's not big enough to play it at any kind of typical spot on the Steelers uh, defensive line. But uh, evolution would suggest he's smaller and faster. You put him inside, maybe he's slippery enough to, to be able to create some havoc because of that lack of weight. You know, maybe he's got the, they feel that he has the functional strength uh, and the quickness to get off the ball. I mean, this is a, a terrible example and please don't hold this, hold it to me later on. But John Randall was a guy that I, I had a conversation with a, a buddy of mine earlier this week. John Randall was small. That's why he didn't get drafted. They didn't think anything of him, but they put John Randall on the field at uh, um, when he, he bulked up to 285. He was drafted at like 270. He put on that weight. So he had more functional strength and he was still faster than anybody else. He was barely, barely behind the snap when he got off the ball and he had a hall of fame career because he was just too quick for anybody who was in there. Maybe that's the idea with Leal. They, they, they want to uh, kind of have him shoot gaps, be it. He's a good pass rusher. He's not going to hold up against the run against NFL guards. So I, I don't know what the plan is with him short of uh, they, they need to, to get him doing all you can eat buffet and, and make him live in the weight room for, for the off season. And I hope he's doing that. We'll, we'll see how he shows up. Um, I'm curious about him though. I, I really like the, the package that he has, especially with the coaching the Steelers have on the defensive line. I, I don't know how much he'll get on the field right now saying this in June. I, I don't know. I, I would say probably less than what Loudermilk played and Loudermilk might've played an average of eight snaps a game last year. Before we get into uh, the point about if the Steelers did enough from Steelers freak to address uh both trenches, we agree that they did enough on the offensive line about the defensive line. I want to jump into this comment from State of the Steelers and big up to Felicia for hopping on the program. Hey, Felicia, and big up to Steelers <laughs> Wire for hopping onto the program, correcting us about uh, when the game, I think the uh, San Diego game and the Viking game. So big, I love when Steelers Wire is on there because Steelers Wire corrects art when we get stuff wrong. So it's the Los Angeles Chargers, Lance. Well, anyway, it's the San Diego Chargers, <laughs> always. Steelers um, wires in my head. Yeah, so uh, pick up the state of the Steelers. We talked about the inside linebacker position, and Merrill Hosh is just recently, it might have been in the last few days, he absolutely ripped Devin Did Bush. I miss this? What, what um, happened? What did he say? Well, he basically said that, you know, to paraphrase, that Devin Bush is absolute trash. Well, yeah, that the Steelers <laughs> need to get rid of him. It's I not mean, the first one to I mean, say that. I mean, he said he's absolutely <laughs> trash and he doesn't play with any intelligence, any anticipation, yep. any instinct. Thousand percent. I mean, I mean, he he ripped them like Merrill Hodge rips guys. Like he he did them worse than Merrill Hodge used to do Vince Young. Um, so just to, <laughs> just imagine that. I mean, he absolutely ripped them. But staying in the steel, and we so we talked about the defensive impact of the loss of to it you know, primarily is going to be in run defense. I think they are still going to have the ability to get to the passer like they've done in the past five years in which they've gotten 50-plus sacks. Uh, but but State of the Steelers wrote Jerry O's absence last year also yep, played that's, a that's huge a part point. in Bush's decline. His return in addition of Flores should bring the best out of Bush and Jack as a tandem. Speak to that, Neil. I think it's it's a fair point. It's a fair point. Um Players are very, very in tune with their position coaches. They don't speak to the head coach incredibly often. Um, they're not even speaking to the coordinators necessarily all that much. The position coaches are their daddy, to, to put it in, in that probably not appropriate of a phrase. Um, 
they're the ones who are, are telling them about the adjustments. They're the ones who are pointing out in game as well as in film what they're doing or not doing right. Um, to switch that, which, if I recall correctly, was was kind of late in in the off season, um, to switch that up, it, it could have an impact. Um, but to, to Hodge's point, which you paraphrase, and I'm not reading, but I, I certainly think that if Merrill Hodge spoke critically of Devin Bush, he probably pointed out the lack of instincts, the lack of reaction time, because it was it honestly, I, I wanted to chalk it up to uh, his injury. And I still think that it's fair uh, to wonder if he was not mentally back from the injury. Okay. Everyone thinks that an ACL is no big deal. It's like a broken bone nowadays. It's absolutely not. There's a ton of stuff that you need to do. And it's not to recover in order to walk. It's in order to to be able to to be an elite athlete, which is what Bush is. Um, I don't think he was back from that. And I feel, it's just my observation, I feel like he was holding off uh, from contact because he didn't trust his knee. And if you're a linebacker who is even a shred adverse to contact, you are going to get destroyed in the NFL. And that, that's what we saw of Bush last year. I'm willing to give Bush the benefit of the doubt. And I, I've said that. No way in the world you can pick up his option. But I'm, I'm fine with them saying, look, you know what? We're, we're going to bring in some help. We're going to do some other things at the position. But you're our guy, okay? We saw the film. Let me give you, while Neil's having a little uh, issue with his mic, let me give you uh, the quote from Merrill Hodge. He said, you um, got to cut bait there. Doesn't play smart or fast. Doesn't play with good technique. Doesn't play with good instincts. He gets targeted by teams in the passing game. Not a good football player. The thing. I'm not even worried so much about the passing stuff. It was his run fits. It was, it was awful. I mean, it, it's. It, I, I've talked to a lot of people who know millions of times more football stuff than me and all of them said the same thing it was just like it's honestly like he's throwing the game I mean there's some instances it's like there's no way that could be what you saw and it looks like he's moving away from contact and I I don't know why the Steelers didn't do anything about it I don't know if they felt big picture they had to put him in there or if there really are just worse options but without getting racial here Lance to suggest at all that Robert Spillane is better in passing sub packages than Devin Bush. Oh, <laughs> God, that 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 is as clear a telltale sign that there's something wrong with Devin Bush as it gets. Short of benching him, that is probably the most insulting thing that could have happened to him. There is no way the undrafted Mac two gap linebacker is better in pass coverage than the pedigreed first round, high first round dude from the big school that ran a 4-4 or whatever it was. Robert Spillane is, Lance, he's not known for his athletic ability. <laughs> he just isn't. If Robert Spillane is on the field, they're going to target him. If Devin Bush is on the field, though, they're targeting him as well, and that's not a good thing. Do you remember the, the, the COVID year? Do you remember um, the, the weird random game, um, the, the rescheduled game against the Ravens? Lamar Jackson's first play, he, Robert Spillane's on the field. Jackson drops back. I swear to God, he never even looked at Spillane. He knew where to throw the ball because of where Spillane was on the field. Spillane picked him off, and it was great. You know, Spillane has, has played above his ability 
to a point where a career that should have ended four years ago has lasted four years. So good for him. It's great. But if, if you're taking Devin Bush out of your, your, your dime package, oh, my God, that's bad. That's really bad. And that, unfortunately, is what Bush is, is known for now and, and I would imagine will continue to be known for unless he really steps it up on the field. We have 75 comments, and I, I just looked at this. I'm on my phone. It's not as easy to see. You guys are active today. Yeah, I'm going to anticipate that we're going to see the best Bush just for his own selfish reasons. I mean, he has a kid coming, and he's playing for his NFL future. So um, I think you're going to see the best Devin Bush this year. That doesn't mean that he's going to be a stealer next year, but I think you're going to see the best Devin Bush this year because he's got a lot to play for. He's got a lot to play for his family and for his career moving forward. And but I think the Steelers have probably seen enough uh, 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 from Devin Bush in terms of the years that they've got here. They've got a ton of film on him. And, you know, I don't anticipate that he will be a Steeler moving forward after this year. But again, you know, the big news this week was Stefan to retiring. Anything that you've heard as we transition away and getting ready to end the show? Is there anything you've heard about OTAs? Any news? No, um, I haven't heard too much. Um, no, we just we I know that. I know there's not a whole lot that happened or that they can report when it seems the main headline to this point has been um, a combination of Najee Harris's quadriceps and the fact that he yes. apparently gained yes. four pounds. It's like, okay, yes. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm 42 years old and I can do a workout and lose four pounds and gain it right back. It's not, you know, four pounds, even at my age is nothing. So if that's yeah, it, was, then I'd say nothing. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was odd that they were fixating on his thighs. Oh, they love like, it. That's such a huge thing in social media now. It's like, just the Quadzilla guy gets all kinds of run on on yeah. Facebook and Twitter. I don't understand why, but it, I, I would hope the dude's jacked, okay? He's a big NFL running back. I'd hope he's muscular. You know, thighs are good to when you have recipes that require stewing. <laughs> um, you know, so thighs are they have there's dark meat, so they're extra flavorful. They're better than breasts because they dry out and yeah. wings are just fantastic when you fry them. So I I don't know. I thought I was reading articles about chicken and the best pieces of chicken. <laughs> I, I I I yeah, I mean that that that's what it that's what it comes down to. And I and there were some articles about Brian Flores. And the impact of Brian Flores already in OTA, which is nothing. Well, no, that's. I mean, yeah, yeah, he's working us hard, and he wants us to be physical. I'm like, you know, of course, every yeah, linebacker I, coach in the game is saying that. Yeah, I didn't. One one last comment that I wanted to talk about real quick here to Steelers Freak put there is when you talked about Isaiah Loudermilk, um, and he wrote that Loudermilk appeared in 16 games last year. And had 309 snaps on defensive line. I didn't realize he played that I'll, much. I'll bet um, if it can be looked up, whoever it is that, that looked it up, look it up and, and talk about it from the first eight games versus the last nine games. I bet there's a pretty big escalation in there. I would guess so. I would Some guess that's the case. Uh, but I think what that says is it says to your point that I think they it, it would it, it'd be interesting to see what the what the coaching staff thinks because sometimes when snap counts increase it's because you got nobody else to play. Right. Sometimes it's because they really like what you're doing on the field. I think at some point in time, I think I might do a deep dive um, into Louder Milk. I keep asking, you know, is there a particular game 
um, to look at. And Steelers Wire also commented that he had 45 snaps in yeah, week 17 okay. against Cleveland. And somebody so, figure out who was hurt in that game because that's probably why. <laughs> and so that's um, you know, that that's interesting there. You know, I might go ahead and look at that game because that's 45 snaps. 45 snaps. Um, that, that, that's that that that's a good amount today, um, and that's a full load. Yeah, that and, 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 and Cam's going to play seventy, but you know most other guys are are not getting. And if I remember right, they they pretty much dominated Cleveland in that game. I don't know if Cleveland probably played a ton on offense. Um, uh, and it's funny looking at the comments. Double H is talking about goat meat. Butter your tacos alone <laughs> would help me gain four pounds. Um, yeah, it, it's it, it's just very interesting. And it's been an interesting offseason for the Steelers because the Steelers are going to keep providing uh, some good content to talk about, not just OTAs. Big up to Christian Glover for chiming in. Thank you for the shout-out. Christian Glover wrote, shout-out to you guys. Great content into Lance. It's been a minute since I heard you. You too, Christian. Make sure you like and subscribe to the program. That's the one thing I want to encourage everybody that's on the live chat not right now. Make sure you like um, and subscribe to the program and please spread the word. We're really trying to push to a thousand by the start of the season so we can go ahead and get this thing monetized. We're going to keep bringing you this great content and we're going to figure out a new schedule for the year when the games start. But for now, we're going to keep it at once a week and we're going to keep doing it at Saturday at 830 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So again, want to thank everybody that hopped onto the program. I thought this was a fantastic show. Again, I want to hope um, get my thoughts and prayers out to Stefan Tewitt as he takes the next step in his life. I wish him well. I wish his family well. And I wish all of you well who stayed and joined us on the program. Stay safe, Steelers family. And as always, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe.